Welcome back to the Flow Performance Podcast. My name is Ricky Dan, founder of Flow Nutrition and your host. On today's episode, we chat with the Director of Physiotherapy at Sapien Rehab and Performance, Dr. Scott Johnson. Scott has completed a Bachelor of Exercise Science at the University of Sydney and a Doctorate of Physiotherapy at Bond Uni. He has over 10 years experience working with a variety of clients from serious spinal rehab cases and post-surgical patients to even world champion BJJ, boxing and surfing athletes. I was so excited for this chat. I'd been following Scott or the surf physio on Instagram for years, even before I moved to the Gold Coast. And I've always seen him as the pinnacle of flow state. The thing I respect most about Scott is his constant passion for learning. He is constantly learning and upskilling with his own personal development, but then also as a health practitioner. I've personally found that most practitioners sort of stick to their own little bubbles of what they learned in their formal training. Even reflecting over my own experience, I'm definitely guilty of boxing myself into just sticking to a more traditional approach to training. Scott is a qualified physiotherapist. However, he also actively seeks out knowledge in a range of other, more alternative ways to train. He invests time reading new research papers and learning from other health professionals. He definitely respects the peer review process, but is also open to exploring new training modalities that may be lacking in evidence. I personally think this open-mindedness and willing to understand differing perspectives is very rare and is something that most people can learn from. In today's chat, Scott dives into his own personal experiences with flow state, theoretical components of flow, and how this all ties in with the learning process. He also explains how he became a physio, the journey starting and running his own successful business, and then many of the lessons that he's learned along the way. This chat is incredibly valuable for anyone interested in personal development, entrepreneurship, physical training and rehab, or simply anyone just striving to become the best possible versions of themselves. Before we dive in, a quick apology in advance for some subpar audio quality here. For some reason, our individual mics didn't work, so we've had to rely on the generic laptop audio, which can be a little echoey at times. Lastly, I'm a strong believer that you are the product of the people you surround yourself with and the content you choose to expose yourself to. So simply listening to this chat with Scott and following the Surf Physio on Instagram, I can guarantee it will instantly improve your mindset and help you raise your bar. With that in mind, let's dive straight into the chat with the Surf Physio himself, Dr. Scott Johnson. Welcome back to the Flow Performance Podcast. My name is Ricky Dan, founder of Flow Nutrition. Today, I'm at the beautiful Palm Beach with the surf physio, Scott Johnson. Mate, great to see you. Yeah, cheers, Ricky. Thanks for having us on, mate. Stoked to be here. Stoked to be here. Love it. Mate, I've been looking forward to this chat for so long, and when I was thinking of ideas to chat with you about, Mm. my list became very, very long, so there's so (laughs) much that I want to chat with you about today. Nice. But yeah, for those who follow your personal page and your business Mm -hmm. page, they'll be well aware that we share an obsession of flow state, for sure. We do, we do. Long-time obsession. (laughs) Absolutely. And you get it from a lot of different areas. So I see you post about your flow in the ocean, the flow in the gym, the Mm -hmm. flow 
in your work and even recently on the tennis court I've been seeing. Yeah, the tennis has taken, <laughs> taken front court. <laughs> Love that. So my first question is, and I ask everybody this same first question, who is Scott Johnson and mm-hmm. what does flow state sort of mean to you? Yeah, it's a great, uh, great little question there, mate. Mm. Uh, if we just talk professionally, you know, my, my background, I'm a physiotherapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to that, I'd studied exercise and sports science. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I, you know, kind of found my way there just through following my interest mm-hmm. and love of sport and the, the body. So, Amazing. yeah, I guess I grew up just playing um, every sport under the sun and, and then ended up kind of a bit more specifically into rugby. Which uh, that kind of led to me realizing I was on the smaller side. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> For the sport. Yeah, yeah, relative to the sport. Relative to the sport. So then I kind of got pretty interested in, in the, the gym and like the more physical performance. Mm-hmm. So I sort of um, started training in a gym when I was 15 and getting off the school bus. And, you know, back then it wasn't sort of that common and I was spending a lot of time on. These sort of bodybuilding.com forums and mm, doing as all, we all were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> doing random workout programs and yeah. Yeah. So really um, you know, that's kind of my, my background. But And so after your exercise science degree, yep. you're now you've got a doctorate in physiotherapy? Yeah, so I studied I actually did the exercise science at Sydney Uni, yep. where I grew up in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And then I had a pretty big injury that changed the course of my, my work. Um, so when I was 23, I had a, a pretty major shoulder injury while I was studying sports science. From footy? At, from footy. Mm. Um, at that time, my, my goal was probably more to, I just always had this idea of trying to work in sport or mm. elite sport. Yeah. Um, and that initially was kind of going to look like S&C or that sort of style of field. Mm. Uh, and then after the injury, I kind of realized there was a whole nother world of rehabilitation and mm. Um, just a lot of things that I had no idea about. Mm. So the, I guess the pursuit in trying to get my function back in my own body is what led me to physio. That's such a common thing to hear. Yeah. So many physios have their little backstory of they had the injury, they saw a physio and that's what what sort of led to them studying that. Yeah. Well, that sounds, I had no idea you had a footy background and that sort of thing. Like, Sounds very different to the lifestyle you're living now where you're so passionate about the ocean and surfing. So when did that sort of inject itself into your life? Yeah, it's weird because it's kind of always been there. Okay. <laughs> Even though you were surfing I, at that age as well at that time? Not really. I Where I grew up in, in Sydney, we were on five acres. <laughs> so I actually grew up with um, motorbikes and my, my sisters had horses and yeah. and um, kind of grew up around that. But over the years, I... I I uh, had a man that lived on the central coast, so would always be would always be there on holidays and things like that. <clears throat> and then me and a few friends got quite into bodyboarding when we were sort of like yeah. 14, 13, 14, 15, yeah. you know, and then I sort of wanted to get into surfing. I, I bought this sort of like high performance short board off a, <laughs> a store owner and, and just yeah. had no chance at, at <laughs> surfing. Um, and then I moved up to the, the Gold Coast when I was 23, mm-hmm. um, mostly 
due to that was the only way I was going to be able to study physio. Mm. So it was kind of a great opportunity for me to probably do something I was never going to do, yeah. which was just leave the area that I'd grown up in and, and the sort of familiar zone of Branch out. everyone there and everything yeah. there. So yeah. yeah, I guess when I moved up here, I, I just could walk around and um, not, not bump into these people you know and really had a bit more of a, a clean slate to kind of figure out more who I was mm. once I was yeah. removed from the familiar surroundings. Absolutely. Um, and then the surfing thing kind of just, you know, my mum got me a, a subscription to Surfing Life magazine when I was I was young and I didn't surf, but I was always yeah. just, a, obsessed, yeah. you know, had this thing in my mind <laughs> that I was going to live by the beach. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, when I moved up here, I still, same thing. I was living on the beach and, and kind of getting into surfing, but still the gym was like my main focus yeah uh which then i I actually had a another injury which kind of changed my course as well which was a a lower back problem yeah um started off a little bit innocuous sort of woke up after doing some some stuff in the gym followed by throwing a frisbee (laughs) um at that time my training was very you know Mm -hmm. powerlifting style and i'd been doing sort of bodybuilding style training and Mm -hmm. put on 20 kilos over (laughs) over a bunch of years and yeah uh, yeah, the lower back injury changed things a lot for me because I would I would go into the gym and I would do what I'd typically done and I would leave worse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would flare up my sciatica yeah. and, and then be, be stuck for a few days and then <laughs> go back again. And, and it was just this kind of cycle and, and yeah. the gym was all I really had. That was my main sort yeah. of outlet. Yeah. And then I just started surfing and I kind of realized... Um, Actually, it was when I moved to Palm Beach. I moved to the north end of Palmy, and I was living right on the beachfront, and I just decided um, this is the time I'm going to start surfing, you know? So I just had this um, fucking 6'4 fish I got from Surfboard Warehouse. (laughs) Yeah. I retired the... The The performance board. Yeah, retired the performance (laughs) board, and honestly just fumbled around on my own. I just decided to surf every day, Mm -hmm. Um, even if it was good conditions, bad conditions... And I, what I found is my back would feel better after a surf, just from laying in that extension position and mm-hmm. um, probably a bit less mental focus on, on what my back and what my body was doing. Yeah. So, yeah, I just kind of started surfing every day and then I haven't really stopped and that's been probably about nine years now. Amazing. Yeah. So quite late to the party too with surfing then. I just assumed, yeah, you would have started that early, but yeah, that's, that's super very interesting. Late, man. Yeah, and yeah. so if we fast forward to today now, so flow state, you don't just get from surfing. So would you say surfing is your predominant source of, of flow in your life or are there other things that are sort of coming in now that are having that same effect? Yeah, honestly, it's it's probably not one that too many people would say, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm lucky to say it, is probably my biggest source of flow state is my work. Love that. You know, because yeah. it's just so... Um, uh, when you're in a one-on-one session with a person and your your emphasis is more on them and how you can uh, help them achieve their goals or, or get out of pain or overcome these major sort of life incidents, I just can kind of channel a lot of focus on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, some days I'll, I'll sort of barely notice um, that the day has passed, you know, and, and I'm quite often actually 
uh, one of my, my downfalls in my work. I, I tend to run late because I just <laughs> get so into what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and as we know, one of the features of a flow state is that you, you have this sort of time distortion. Mm. And um, yeah, so that's, um, sorry guys to my patients, but um, that's why I'm <laughs> 10 to 15 minutes late because I just get really absorbed in, in yeah. what I'm doing. This shows how passionate you are about it. And you mentioned there's that um, time distortion is just one of the factors in mm. flow state. Um, and before this chat, I actually went back through a few of our messages and remembered I downloaded one of your eBooks that you made, The Secrets of Flow State, yeah. been a couple of years ago now. And I just remember reading that thinking, fuck, this guy's cool. Like I was just <laughs> obsessed with flow state at the time. And yeah. in the book, you go through all the different things from the previous research, from Csikszentmihalyi. Yeah, yeah. You put in there the Ten Commandments as well, which that was one of them, the time distortion. Mm. So you've got quite an extensive knowledge around flow state and sort of the theoretical models. Mm -hmm. What are your sort of strategies that you use to get in flow state and sort of stay in flow state more? Do you like deliberately seek out certain things or create environments that sort of promote that? Yeah, I think, you know, one, one of the biggest things is, I think, is the environment. Yeah. And when I am able to probably get in that state the best, it's usually got a pretty heavy trigger from the environment. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's sort of use, um, let's use surfing as the example. And probably the, the peak of that for me is usually in, in the mentor's. And what I, what I try and use is actually um, three words that uh, one of my favorite authors, Stephen Kotler, um, you'll be familiar with as well. His book, The Rise of Superman, is really what got me um, back in that sort of 2019 or, or during, during COVID when I wrote that mm. e-book because I had nothing to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> is it still available? It's still almost? available, yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. Is, yeah. It on, like, is there a LinkedIn... I would, I would I could manually send it out for sure. Okay, for the listeners, I would highly recommend it. It's just a, a really good short summary of everything to do with flow state. So that little plug there, but yeah, that's Thanks, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't need to. Um, in ultimately, when I made that, it was going to be like a sort of website link, but um, mm. yeah, I just sent it out to a bunch of people, and mm. um, it's kind of sat in the, the back shelf for the last few years. But yeah, feel mm. free to. Yeah, hit me up, and I can send that one through. But, so um, inspired by a bit of Stephen Kotler's work. Yeah, just, you know, I just really love people, examples of people um, that have done unbelievable things, you know, and I, I think I get a lot of inspiration from stories of athletes and, uh, you know, the extreme sports world is, is just a great example and um, like he sort of talked about in that book, one, one of the, the key things that I found so interesting was like the, this rate of progression in the extreme sports. And say, um, I think one of the examples they've used was skiing and comparing to other sports. And, and like a, at one point in time, not that long ago, like a, a 360 was a, a major trick in skiing. Yeah. 15, 20 years later, people are doing that four or five rotations. Um, and what he sort of saw was that, um, yeah, just this performance level being pushed by people um, collaborating mm -hmm. and putting them, themselves in those sort of extreme environments and mm -hmm. um, yeah, just the, the creativity that, that comes from that. Yeah. Um, so back to, to what I was sort of initially saying there, um, when you asked about kind of how I would 
get into a flow state or, or little tools that I'll use. And, and probably the biggest one is, is this saying that goes, uh, flow follows focus, mm. which, um, you know, if I think back to what I was just saying about my work, it's like that. If you can really um, singular focus on a, on a task, then I think that's a great way to drive the flow state. Um, and specifically in the water, some things that I, I do um, or try to do mm-hmm. is, is, one is obviously breathing, which is, which is common. So I might start a surf in the first five minutes once I've paddled out. I'll do some like box breathing or something like that that kind of regulates the nervous system and yeah, um, yeah helps drive that process. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I like to do, which I've learned a bit from um, my surf coach, Mark Richo, yeah. is just observing the actual um, ocean, you know, so looking for little mm. little rips, little ways the water's moving, you know, the, the ruffling on the, the top from the wind direction, yeah. um, and just using those little cues to yeah, get settled into the ocean because it's kind of a – sometimes you, you can um, – I don't know, it can take a while in a surf and, and sometimes it's just, if you've only got 30 minutes or 45 minutes or a short time to surf, you, you spend your whole surf a bit wigged out, worried mm. about what everyone else is doing or <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, I just try and try and um, use the, the cues of the environment. Love that. Yeah. And what you've just explained there is sort of meditation in a way, because if you look at mm. like the theories around what meditation is, it's bringing you to the present moment mm. and you can even get in that state just by... Like if you're sitting in the park, just observing like the leaf, just like being there and like feeling the breeze and like acknowledging it and being super present and just acknowledging those simple things in the environment. Like there's the rip. You can see the little white caps on the water. You yeah, feel the rip or the, the sweep taking you like that. That just brings you exactly to the present moment, right? Yeah, That's exactly. super out. And so simple to do. So simple to do. Yeah, and even once I, once I started, um, kind of studying the flow state, which, which I've sort of probably dropped off on some of these habits to a degree with mm-hmm. um, the mental, mental load of the, the last few years. But, yeah. you know, whatever I'm doing, I try and make sure that is the thing that I'm doing. Yeah. So if I'm washing the dishes, you know, I'm doing the dishes. If I'm with you, I'm with you. Yeah. If I'm at work, I'm at work. If I'm at home, I'm at home. So just trying to bring in, it's never, gonna, it's never perfect, mm-hmm. but just having that like intention where you go to, to try and be like singular focus on that thing. Yeah. Um, it just helps, you know, it helps your mind to be calm. <laughs> Jeez, that's and something it, I can work on, bloody hell. Yeah, I think like, we all can. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Even you just saying that then. Like I feel like in discussions I can be quite present, especially mm. when it's like in flow state in a discussion. But if I'm washing the dishes, I'm not thinking about washing the dishes. I'm thinking of what am I doing tomorrow? Yeah, How did today exactly. go? Like, it's so easy to get caught up in that. But it just comes back to what you said. Like, bring that focus back to the moment because it is all about what are you focusing on? And I spoke with um, the performance psychologist at Surfing Australia yesterday, oh, Tom Greer-Smith. Wow. And I asked him to sort of summarise his, his whole job as mm. a performance psych. And he said, I'm probably going to paraphrase this wrong, but he just said, I get athletes to focus on what they should focus on. Yeah. That's as simple as it is. That's what a psych does for an athlete. And I thought, shit, that is so simple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's always, um, I always think like a, a top professional can make something super complex 
simple. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas you kind of see people that are sort of, um, you know, more more trying to like, I don't know, appear knowledgeable. They'll they'll use a lot more jargon and, and almost confusing messages. Mm. Whereas I think kind of elite practitioners can really get it down to a small thing and, mm. and get that message. Um, well, that's the old saying, right? Through, if you yeah. can't explain it to a five-year-old, you don't really know what you're talking about. Like, yeah, exactly. But it's such a skill, like someone who is immersed in the research space and academia and even writing my own research papers and reading yeah, research. Exactly. Like it's, it's so hard to take yourself out of that world and then talk to surfers and skaters and snowboarders. And that's actually partially why I wanted to do this podcast, to mm. sort of build that skill in myself, to be able to explain complex things simply in layman's terms. I feel like teaching has helped with that quite a lot as well, like teaching exercise physiology at uni or anatomy or coaching, like trying to, don't want to use the term dumb down things, but sort of, yeah, explain them more simply. That's yeah. a that's a really difficult skill. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's also why like this What's the Go segment, this mm. episode isn't obviously one, but um, hopefully we have time to do one after this. I want to get these professionals practicing that as well to like, all right, you know all of the theoretical backgrounds in these complicated areas. Mm. Explain that in 10 minutes to a, a surfer who may not want to learn about it. It's like, that's hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's always um, uh, – I'd, I'd had another another um, friend who who'd mentored me a little bit, um, Ray, who is one of the – he's the owner of Surfing Life. Oh, shit. And I – Bishop? I'd, Ray Bishop? Ray Bishop, yeah. yeah. I yeah. sent in an article. I got one – an article yeah, published with him. So. Well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he, he kind of uh, I, um, had written an article for a couple of online ones and then one that got um, two, sorry, that had been published. And um, kind of one thing he said to me that resonated a lot was if you can say it in less words, then do that. <laughs> so when I'm writing on like, you know, say I'm writing an instant caption or yeah. um, things like that, I just always reread it and come back and just try and try and chop out the... The unnecessary and um yeah that's huge in research too mate it's all True, about yeah. word counts <laughs> and stuff so yeah um look and on that same topic i think another thing that we share another passion we share is just the love for learning right and that's mm. evident from i've been at uni for 10 years i still am i've yeah. been a student my whole life pretty much yeah that's great man and especially starting my own business that has just been every single day i've been learning things from how do you build a website? How do you make a product? How do you do yeah. marketing? How do you make a reel? Like there's just every day is learning. So I would love to dive into, I don't really know what the question is here, but maybe it's why do you love learning as much as you do? Because it's very evident that you're in the same boat. Yeah, what, what do you find so appealing about just continual learning? Yeah, I think at this point it's just, honestly, it's what makes me feel feel good is to, to, I don't know, just feel this kind of sense that I'm progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, you know, in, in life we're either, we're either going forwards or if you're staying still, you, you're going backwards. So yeah. <laughs> I guess it's a, you know, maybe a, a fear almost of, of um, not progressing and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, not, not keeping up. So yeah. yeah, I just think innately, um, that's what we're here to do, you know, learn and grow and evolve, mm. um, which is a, a big part of, I guess, the message I share. And, you know, a lot of people, like I never I never read or, or sort of did anything like that through school and, 
even now, you know, I, I wouldn't say I love reading, but I love learning. <laughs> and it's like, where is that information? Well, it's not, it doesn't even have to be reading to learn. Like you've, you're playing tennis, right? You started yeah, and exactly. you've been playing for a little while. Like yeah. that's the sort of learning that I love as well. Mm. It's just throwing yourself in the deep end with even physical challenges. Like learning how to juggle, learning how I suck at skateboarding. I always wanted to learn how to skateboard properly. Yeah. And, and like, so what, what maybe started you wanting to play tennis, for example? Like what sort of sparked mm. that sort of desire? Uh, it kind of, as most things do for me, just sort of fumbled into it. But um, me, and, me and one of my, my friends, we, you know, we started playing tennis just as a bit of a competitive thing and we'd go with basically no shoes on and, you know, run <laughs> yeah. around at palmy tennis courts and have a bit of a hit. And then, yeah. and then I think I went out and got a pretty expensive racket and then he got a good racket and then <laughs> he got shoes, I got shoes. So you're not competitive at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I'm, um you know, I think being an athlete's a mindset, so yeah. I've just kind of got that stuck in me, I think, mm. to, yeah. to um, you know, want to win, I guess. <laughs> mm. Love that. Uh, but, um, yeah, then, then tennis, I was, I was working with, um, who's now my tennis coach, I was, mm-hmm. I was treating, um, and over a bunch of years, his son, who's a, a really good tennis player, mm-hmm. and then I just told him about me and my friend that was sort of um, having a bit of hit of tennis, and then we, we kind of got... Uh, a bit of a trade contra deal going where I would do the session with Juan, his yeah. his son, yeah. in the in the gym, and then he would give me a private coaching lesson. How good! Yeah, so really, once I um, started learning more of the technical aspects, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of just got me hooked because I think tennis is just such a pure like expression of the biomechanics of the body. And um, it uses every system, you know, it uses your vision, you're mm-hmm. tracking the ball, yeah. um, it's multi-directional. Mm. And then I started thinking a lot of these uh, principles in this sport, like because tennis is a, a sport with a lot of history mm-hmm. and I would say surfing is a sport without a huge history in, in terms of training and performance. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, well, they both have a, a forehand side, they both have a backhand <laughs> side, you stand this way. You face that way, yeah, um, you, you twist your body, you compress, <laughs> you extend. Mm, I've never found parallel. I've never even thought about the parallels between tennis yeah. and surfing, but you yeah. just saying that, there's not, definitely some. Not many people do. And then I yeah. think the energy systems are quite similar too. I yep. was mm-hmm. I was wearing a whoop while I was sort of getting into tennis and surfing and I'd look at the, the trend of the, the you know, heart rate pattern and it was kind of replicating surf in some ways, like mm-hmm. with a lot of kind of anaerobic stop start you go up and then you rest and then you go up and then you rest um so i sort of realized it was a great conditioning yeah uh you know you can do it any time you can play at night you can play Mm. when it's windy you can (laughs) yeah yeah so then it's kind of just um just became a really big way for me to i guess when we're talking about learning and, and like you said not just from reading books and and journal articles and things like that I've always kind of used, I guess I've used myself as the, as the test dummy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so when I'm training, I'm like, that's the way I learn how to execute an exercise mm-hmm. or it's the way I learn how to, um, uh, how to teach someone by having had to play around with various cues. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, then tennis, tennis is just like, I, I've sort of tried to learn the ways they train for, um, say power development or um, rotational capacities, stuff like that. Yeah. Because it's just not established in surfing, 
I, I feel. Yeah. Um, what's yeah. the best way? You see people doing all sorts of stuff. There's the there's the surfer that just does yoga. Yeah. You know, there's the guys now that are just doing front squats. Yeah. Um, there's there's the guys doing just movement. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's the guys that sort of don't train at all. Mm. So I, I just think um, over time the training for surfing could learn from other sports that are more established. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I'm trying to, I guess, be at the forefront of mm. pulling this information from other um, other sports and other areas and, and trying to synthesize them back into, back into surfing, which is my main market, I feel, at the moment. Yeah, well, that's the thing that I probably respect about you the most is your willingness to be open to all these different types of training mm. because... Like, I'll even admit, you know, all of my background is in traditional strength and conditioning. Sure. And I have very little experience in, and I've already interviewed some other professionals that do very different training to my background and what mm. I'm used to. And and I feel like you have, whether dabbled is the right word, but you've mm. tried it yourself, like every different type of training that exists. And yeah. I don't even know the names <laughs> of some of the things that you've been trying, but you've got like your straps out, you've done traditional SNC, you're doing sort of more holistic movement patterns, the stuff that Rob's doing. Um, Rodrigo. Uh, Rod's doing yeah, down sure. there, holistic. Yeah. And that's why, and I'm keen to chat more about this in the What's the Go segment about what you've learned from all those different things because, mm. yeah, I feel like surfers at the moment, they just pick one and whether they commit for six weeks or 12 weeks and then go to the next, but, but you've got an interesting blend of them all. So I'm keen to sort of learn more about how you – mitigate that like how you train for not just being a surfer but a tennis player and a businessman and a human like you have so many different aspects to training (laughs) how do you sort of even even approach that i think yeah it's a it's an interesting question and honestly it's only just now like i'm 34 this year and i've been pretty much all in on let's just say training you know and and Mm the development of the body and, and performance really since I was 16, you know? So, so even though, um, I wouldn't say I'm that old, I've been putting a stupid amounts of, <laughs> you know, thought and, um, yeah. time and, and effort and energy into learning these different things. And, and I guess it hasn't been all at once is probably the best thing I would, I would say it, it's kind of like, it's I've had to learn as I've encountered the next thing. Yeah. So let's let's say um, if we, we go back to like what I was saying early on about my shoulder injury. Mm. When I injured my shoulder, I had um, fucking massive shoulders, you know, and big arms and <laughs> yeah. big chest. And, yeah. and then when I uh, lost the function of the nerve that supplies the deltoid, my, my muscle just completely atrophied. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the ego take that. Yeah, not that, not that well when it was kind of my primary um, purpose in life at that time was to yeah. get big arms and shoulders. Yeah. Um, to lose it, honestly, it was pretty confronting and, and pretty, um, I don't know, I didn't, didn't really know how to deal with it that well at the time. But so, so I just kept doing probably the wrong training, really. So yeah, yeah. I, I kept doing what I, what I knew. And, and then I, by the time I rocked up to study physio, um, in, in physio and, and these sort of things, you, you use each other as, as the examples. So when we're first doing observation of muscle symmetry and things like that, I was sort of like, yeah, bring bring this guy up here and mm. fuck, look how big that pec is and that lat and then the shoulder's got no <laughs> size and, you know, my body was just fully 
out of whack, even though I was training to, to yeah. put it that way. Yeah, yeah. But what I was training was like just thinking of each muscle as a, a yeah. singular entity. Mm. Yeah. Um, and and, uh, and you still get a bit of that in the SNC world. Like, sure. I feel like it's it's primarily movements. Mm. Um, you don't commonly see elite athletes doing like single joint exercises, so it yeah. is more sort of compound stuff. But but like you've been doing some cool shit with like wrapping those ropes around and doing like what do we even call that sort of training? I've been seeing the stuff you've been putting up. Yeah, those straps. Um, I I just seen. Uh, I guess I look a lot at. Um, these days with my work and stuff, I, I kind of look more at, at North America, I would say, and I'm, I'm probably a lot more influenced by like some of these more physical therapists in the, in the U S guys like Eric Cressy and Mike Reinald and, mm-hmm. um, all these guys that are like a hybrid, hybrid practitioner, let's call them where they, they're, they're health professionals, but they they bring that high performance lens to it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just saw people using those straps to train rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the cool thing with them is, is that you can load a rotational movement. So it's kind of got this like loop that you put your shoulder in and you, you mm. wrap yourself up in it mm-hmm. and, and it'll be attached to either like a band or a, a cable. So there's some resistance mm-hmm. and what it does, it allows you to, uh, train rotation without having anything in your hands. Mm. So instead of having to, um, yeah, so it like instead of holding a pal of crest, for example, or doing yeah, a, exactly. a wood chop, you've actually just got it closer to your center of mass, closer to your body. Like, totally. oh, it's part of your, of it's your body. It's connected, yeah. yeah. And then it's like, really, instead of having to learn, it takes away a lot of the learning um, effect, just teaches you because you just, the resistance is pulling you that way and your body sort of pushes back into that resistance. And when the load is is spiral around, the way you load back into it is to to do the opposing movement, which is a which is a rotation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and so, then I guess I've just also um, one thing I've sort of thought with my my job is like I always want to be able to. I guess I don't want my gaps in my knowledge to be the thing that is inhibiting my athletes or clients from getting better. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, that's a big driver for me really is, is as I get more like experience in my work and I get more complex cases and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I guess I just, I don't want to be the reason they're not able to get better. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that just keeps me pretty, pretty hungry. And as I, as I get high level clients and some junior pros and, mm. you know, people with like spine fusions and, yeah. and um, replace discs and things like that. It's super high consequence to either getting it right or wrong. So um, yeah, that's that kind of just drives the hunger to learn because I have to. <laughs> yeah, and look, I think so many people just appreciate that sort of approach, and it's it it holds a special place in my sort of heart because my brother and I, my brother's a pro golfer, oh, nice. and we've that's both good. had really bad back issues for our whole lives whereas mm. my, my brother's had really bad back spasms and he has seen probably every health profession under the sun to get their advice sure and it almost feels like you already know what they're going to say before you walk in if you yeah. go into a chiro it's <clears throat> a, the joint if you go to an osteo it's going to be that yep i'm your i'm your solution if you go to a physio yeah. it's this muscle and it doesn't seem like they have that outsider's view on maybe it's maybe i'm not the right person here or maybe Mm. my traditional method isn't the right way they almost just confirm yep this is my diagnosis i'm going to be the person that needs to help you 
Whereas you sort of have that holistic view of, you know, this could be something outside of my scope or my knowledge. Mm. And so, yeah, as someone who's spoken with so many health professionals that sort of have those blinkers on, let's say that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I just love and really appreciate that approach. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it's yeah. just, um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's really challenging, like these sort of jobs where you, you've got a person who's presenting with, with a, a complex problem that has heaps of factors involved. And a lot of like, I think a lot of people are set up, like professionals are set up to fail before they start just purely because of the model that healthcare is delivered in. And what like, do you, what do you mean by that? By that, I mean like, you know, you go into your, you go into your typical physio clinic. Um, it's a bit of a dry atmosphere. You know, you got a bit of a crusty receptionist at the front. Mm-hmm. Everyone's sitting there, not talking to each other. Yeah. You go in, someone gets you to, doesn't really get to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, they, 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 even if they're a good professional, they're stuck in a model that's based on turnover, Yeah. like 30 minute appointment, 40 minute appointment. Yeah. The business side. So I just think these complex problems need more input over a longer period of time. Yeah. And the answers aren't ever black and white. It's, it's really, um, specific and and tailored to that person and like you said their their sport their level of sport their their beliefs about what's going to work for them and mm-hmm. their past experience with treatments and yeah. and all of that so yeah i i guess um because i see a lot of people that have failed prior treatments yeah and um yeah these days like i am able to get some pretty good outcomes with some of them and, and it just comes down to that more like trying to trying to simplify what people are doing and a lot of times, say people with pain, and, and back pain is a, is a great example, you know, you, you kind of ask them what they're doing for their back pain and, and like you'll get the odd person who's just uh, doing something that is, the goal is to help their back pain, mm-hmm. but they're doing that thing, but they still have back pain and their pain is worsening. Yeah. So why are you still doing that? Yeah. Why, why are you stuck to that mm-hmm. idea, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I, I think um, what I try and do is sort of really strip things right back mm-hmm. and uh, focus on like the the fundamentals of the body. Yeah. And that's kind of where I came up with the idea for Sapien. Yeah. Um, Sapien Rehab and Performance is, uh, is my business. And, and really, I've read this book called Sapiens. Mm. So a bit of a still on the, on yeah. the name, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, when I read that book, I was working in a um, the clinic that I worked in for like the first six years of my physio career, mm-hmm. and it was like that. It was just short appointments, um, big turnover. Mm-hmm. I was seeing fifty to sixty people a week over six years, <laughs> which was great to get that experience. But I just knew there was I was never able to have the impact I wanted to have with people. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of typical clinic setup as well, where you've got um, you've got active people, and the you want to show them an exercise, and, and your your clinic setup is is pretty much just tailored at, at doing treatments. Mm-hmm. And so I would sort of have a say an ACL patient or something like that, and uh, you know you, you write them a program or you you sort of set them up with their gym phase for their training. And then you just let them go and go into the gym. Like, what's their squat going to yeah. look like? What's their deadlift going to look like? 
Um, are they going to get the load right? All these things. And then, then they come back and see you a week or two later and you, you hope it went well. Whereas these days I just try and really control most of those variables yeah. until someone is, is like showing their body, showing signs that they're tolerating what we're doing. Mm. And um, yeah, I just do that by spending more time with them and, mm. and prioritizing the development of the plan. Yeah. And it's like, I think another issue with some of these jobs and the, the industries is like you go and see your, your physio and they give you a, a, a sheet of paper with 10 to 15 mm. generic yeah. exercises regardless of who you are or your, your goal or your, your age or your injury yeah. and it just it's just not going to work <laughs> now, you just saying that brought back PTSD of my last visit to the GP so yeah. I had a back spasm probably a few months ago now oh, I where I that, literally yeah. couldn't move like oh, couldn't fuck. get out of bed Went to a GP to get some scans. Yeah. And I'll never forget the moment, like, just after saying, like, all this stuff, like, I can't do this, can't do this. Yeah. I watched him Google lower back stretches. Oh, no. Typed <laughs> it in, went to the first, like, random page and printed out that page and gave Go it to me and said, here's some lower back exercises. And I, I never say that I have an exercise science background or yeah. I never say anything like that. But I just was sitting there going, fuck, how much have I just paid for this session? And he's just Googled this lower back stretches and then handed it to me and that was his intervention that's the treatment plan yeah so can you sort of paint a picture to the listeners because yeah. the setup that you have down at um, holistic pro health mm. is freaking awesome and it's very unique as you were saying it's not your typical walk in and see your crusty receptionist and everyone's sitting yeah. there not talking <laughs> to each other um, yeah. So I really want to understand more about sapiens and cool. sort of the whole experience so maybe let's start with who are your sort of your primary um, clients or customers? Who do you see mostly on a day-to-day basis? It's I. It's pretty cool because I, when I first um, was kind of left my left my job and was looking to start my business, I, I had a few quiet days, and I was I was kind of reading a few things about marketing and just trying to understand a little bit about who other people that I, I want to see. Mm-hmm. So I kind of created like a couple of like avatars of, of who they were. Mm-hmm. One of the, the key ones was sort of, you know, 30 to 30 to 50 something year old surfers that have a difficult problem. They have the financial means to, to pay and that they're motivated to, to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one. And then the other, one of the other ones was more like your junior, junior athletes that I'm, I'm really hoping to work with on like long-term development athletic development and yeah. injury prevention and um so yeah these days when i when i kind of um look at my caseload probably 70 percent of it is is that first avatar you know those sort of mm. um like active active people um super motivated to get better uh they have the means to to come to a private service they have the motivation to get better well, can I just say credit to yeah. you for that? Like that's huge in itself because I've read a lot of business books that say the exact same thing. Mm. Create that avatar. Who is your perfect customer? Yeah. And I've even been going through that with this podcast, right? Like yeah, who do course. I want to be listening to it? So credit to you for you've actually got that as an outcome. Predominantly your clients are who you've wanted. So clearly you've done a lot of things right to get to that stage. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, it just, it just comes back down to focusing on the results of that 
person that's coming to see you, you know, and, and if you're, if your biggest priority as a health professional is to help them achieve their goal, uh, I just think people know, like they can sense that versus someone that's trying to tick the, the name off their list and get on to the next one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's always a bit of a long process of, of sort of working towards, towards that but yeah these these days you know i, I, I also um kind of loosen up that definition too because i've got patients that uh, some of my favorite sessions of the week you know one of my patients who i've posted a few times on the, the instagram page margaret she's 84 um she's had a harrington rods which is these rods the whole way down her spine um and she she's um just as just as motivated to get back to living her life and, um, you know, we talk about traveling overseas and all, all these sorts of things. So, um, yeah, really my main market these days I've realized is just people that have a, people that want to get better um, mm-hmm. and are motivated to, to do that. So, yeah. I love that. Um, how have you implemented all of the other we've just spoken about so many different ways yeah. like training modalities all these different things yeah how do you implement that into your approach when it comes to the actual treatment because mm-hmm. you've also got access to the really cool facility there as well so yeah. you can go and do you know heavy strength sessions or use the bands or use your manual therapy like how have you sort of implemented all of that into your approach yeah good question man um i'll just quickly circle back around and um Let's just start with the, the practice clinic. So the, mm-hmm. the, um, the studio, uh, Holistic Pro Health Performance. Mm-hmm. So um, Rodrigo, who is the owner of Holistic Pro, who um, kind of has been a, a mentor to me and then we're, we're good friends and we, we do business together as well. Mm-hmm. But I actually first met him through coming to a course out of the gym, mm-hmm. the studio at, in Cooley. So the course that I'd taken there was DNS, mm-hmm. uh, which is a bit of a mouthful, but it stands for Developmental Neuromuscular Stabilization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. It's, um, you know, it's based on the, the infant development sequence in the first 12 months where the uh, infant is, is born and then by 12 months standing around and walking. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty amazing transition. Mm-hmm. And what the developmental kinesiology model is, it's using the... Uh, there's kind of these set set positions and that show up mm-hmm. as a standardized thing in the development of the nervous system in, in that infant. Mm-hmm. And so what DNS uses, it, it uses those positions to reestablish the, um, the kind of stabilization of the body. So a lot of the positions, you know, a lot of the times we think in rehab, it's like you want to make things harder or strength S&C, we're building capacity, we're building strength. A lot of people are injured and strong. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you do with that person? You know, they've already trained, they're in pain, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're already stretching, yep. they're already doing that, doing these things. Um, they're, they're active, they're motivated, but they've got this chronic back pain. So what do you do? You don't, you can't really just tell them to get a bit stronger. You've got to stretch more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Stretch yeah. more, ignore your pain. Yeah. Um, you know, it's in, it's in your head, these sort, of, yeah. these sort of messages that are getting pushed around. Um, but what, what I find DNS does that's been really unique in my, my practice is it gives you the layer before that. Mm. And it's based on the, the key movement patterns of the, the global patterns of the body, mm. 
One being the contralateral pattern, which is when the two opposite sides of the body are, are working. So we think walking, running, mm-hmm. um, a, a tennis forehand where you, you step across mm. and swing with the other with the other side. Yeah. Um, and then the other main pattern is the ipsilateral, where the, the two same sides of the body mm-hmm. are moving together. So that's kind of the, the big summary. Um, so yeah, I, I was suffering with this like really chronic lower back pain and, and sciatica that I'd had for nearly like two and a half years mm. to the point where I'd, I'd lost that 20 kilos of muscle <laughs> that I'd talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, I was really lost with what to do. I was already physio and, and kind of had this pretty big cognitive dissonance that I'm like meant to be helping these people with back pain and I, I am, but yeah. I can't even get my own better. Yeah, well. um, and I'm just treating people all day, rubbing and rubbing <laughs> their back, you know, with a, with a raging nerve pain in my leg. Um, so yeah, that, that led to me just realizing, man, I got to find, there's something else, you know, there's, there's some other ways. And that's what led to more the movement side of things. And I'd, I'd been a pretty big fan of rods for a long time. So I, I went to attend that DNS course. Mm-hmm. And uh, prior to that, it's pretty crazy because I'd sort of had this like plan in, in my mind and and more than that, I'd sort of written it down, what I thought my my ideal space mm-hmm. to working would look like mm-hmm. and I'm kind of like you know you got this big area of mats you got yeah, the, the personal interest did you draw this or did you write it just the key key parts yeah key okay. parts. I'm yeah. a very visual person yeah, I have you'd, like you'd photos and all, things yeah. yeah bloody hell yeah I just bashed out the words and, and yeah. visualised it a bit um, yeah. you know we'd have like a big open space for movement there'd be mats to do exercises be functional training gear and then I, I walked into Holistic Pro and I'm like shit this guy's built what I, what I was picturing um it was really weird i just did that two-day course and i just had this weird feeling i think i'm gonna probably be in here one day wow and then um yeah probably it was it was a long time after that it was probably two years later and then um rod approached me and was sort of looking for a physio that might be interested in setting up out of the gym and and starting their own business and sort of using a a, like a rental model so I'll, i'll rent the treatment room and be able to use the space and then we collaborate on different aspects so yeah, man, just through meeting Rod and trying to study a bit more about movement and once again fix my <laughs> problems and get my, my physical function back. Yeah. Uh, that's what kind of led me there. Yeah. That's epic. Well, I guess we've touched a lot on the learning process through all the types of training, but I'm becoming well aware now that there is so much learning when it comes to the business side of things, right? It's brutal, yeah. And, <laughs> and I know we've already said we share a passion for learning through like reading books and journal articles, but is there anything that stood out on your journey to becoming a business person? Are there any books mm-hmm. or any other men- any mentors or any TED Talks that have really had like a significant impact on how you've sort of ran your business and approached it? Yeah, there's, there's been a few. Um, Other than the book Sapiens, because that's just, let's yeah. uh, assume <laughs> that. Kickstarter. <laughs> if you haven't read Sapiens, get out there and read that to start with. Yeah, yeah. And if you just want to understand, like, the, the species, you know, that we are Homo sapiens and where where we've come from and mm. how society has ended up where it is, it's a it's mm. a pretty amazing book that follows that journey. Mm. Um, and and I guess what I take from that is, like, if we can, if we can get the body moving, how the design is is based mm. and living somewhat in alignment with how um we are meant to yeah <laughs> in, yeah. in this world it's hard to do that um you know I, I just believe most most injuries will improve through recognizing that um 
so yeah, other, other books, more business stuff, probably one of the most influential ones on me, which I read in my previous job. And I was at this stage where I was just like a few years into being a physio, I was, I was bashing out sessions and then just finishing the week and then sweet, I'm done with work. And, and the book is called, um, it's by Cal Newport. It's called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And then I just realized that like in any industry or in any field, there's like this sort of disproportionate uh, leveraging of success and opportunities. And it's like the top few people in, in most industries will will see a, a disproportionate you know amount of opportunities and success and results and income and stuff like that. Yeah. So what I decided to do after reading that was like every patient I see, uh, I'm just going to try and learn one thing from them and, and improve like the tiniest little bit with each session. Yeah. And when you're doing 60 sessions a week, you, you mm. <laughs> just that tiny little shift in, in focus from like, okay, I've got 13 patients today. So um, what are some examples of some of the things that you've, that you're learning on those times? Uh, it's always like, um, I guess I, I try and use like, say my exercise prescription, I'll, I'll, I'll give something to somebody and then see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, so one of the biggest things was once I'd done the DNS course and I, I started appreciating a bit more the the role of the diaphragm and how it in, interacts with, say, the, the psoas and the hip flexors and the QL and, and people with tight backs, mm. I just started giving most people with acute back pain like a, a basic um, diaphragmatic breathing exercise. Yeah. And then I realized some of these people would go from having acute pain that would normally take, say, three weeks or four weeks to settle down was settling down in like three to five days just from like changing my practice in a, in yeah. a small way. Um, yeah. And even just the stories people say, you know, when you, when you get to, to talk to a lot of people, uh, yeah, I just try and try and take different things from their, their life experience. And, mm. um, yeah. No, that, that's sick. That's, I really appreciate that insight there because I think, and I, I've already told you this before, but I have been very inspired by your journey, starting the business, growing it to where you have. And and I love that you've been so open in sharing a lot of that via Instagram particularly because, yeah. you know, everyone's on their own little journey, right? And I feel like your journey, so many people can relate to that, especially as a physio. Because in, in my experience, like I'm not a physio, but I've got a lot of friends that have studied it. Sure. And, you know, their dream is to be, go work for the AIS or the elite sporting team. And then yeah. they realize, shit, 0.1% of physios are going to get those jobs. The rest may go into sort of clinical settings. Yeah, sure. So if there's anyone, even not particularly just in physio, but just in exercise science in general that wants to sort of start their own thing, build their own brand, mm. create their own avatars that they can work with every day, do you have any sort of advice for them maybe at the starting phases? Because I know that's, the hardest part and where there's the most resistance at the very start. Is there anything you went through or any lesson you sort of learned that might be valuable to someone in that regard? Yeah, I think honestly, when we, when we talk about like the business side of things, um, one thing that I really think has helped me to succeed there so far, I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> um, four years in and we're, we're surviving and growing. So that's... I would say thriving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Doing very well. Yeah. I think that's, um, you know, so many businesses don't last that long. So I just try and remember Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I think is like, these days I just see so many young practitioners and they want to do the business 
part of it at the very beginning of their career. And my experience has just shown me that it's really hard to be a good practitioner Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to be good at business. And if you're trying to do both at once, I just think it's, it's, um, it's going to be tricky to, to be good at either of them. Mm. So I would, I would recommend trying to find like a, a good mentor mm-hmm. and that, that obviously that can be, that can be difficult, but even, you know, even your first job, like your first job doesn't have to be your, your perfect one, right? I spent, I spent six years rubbing old, old people's necks and <laughs> overweight people's backs and, yeah. you know, all sorts of stuff because I knew that my goal was to be the, an elite professional at my job. Mm-hmm. And, um, you just put in those hours at the start. Yeah, you've got to do that. the reps, man. Yeah. You've got to do the reps and, uh, yeah. just think there's no shortcuts mm. in that phase. Yeah. And if you find someone who's got like a bit of a, a proven history of working, of, of a way of working, mm. Um, and you, you sort of adopt that philosophy early on and then you, you get a better opportunity to come up with your own stuff on the back of that. Mm. Uh, just cause you, you do come out of uni, like pretty, it's pretty daunting. And I, I, I was not really confident at all in what I was doing for the first two years. Well, you've got no experience. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't be expecting to have that yeah, confidence. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, man, that would be my, my best advice for people starting out in these sort of jobs is, is just prioritize getting good at it, you know, because I think a lot of people want the, they want to be the, put the founder badge in the, <laughs> in the Instagram yeah. or they want to, yeah. um, they, they sort of want to have it all. But uh, I, I just think the quickest way to have it all is to, to, to follow a, um, yeah, follow a, a system and then, and then build your own on the back of that. Mate, I, I couldn't agree more. And the way I sort of look at that is, and it's advice that I sort of give people as well that, that hit you with the same, I'm not where I want to be. Mm. It's more of like reflect on your trajectory. That, that's more yeah. important than the location or the dot at where you are because you may be rubbing up 70-year-old men in a place that you hate. Yeah, but if, you're, if that's going to mean your trajectory is still going up, if you're taking learning from the lessons that you can learn, yeah. whereas if you're – just miserable, not willing to learn. You may be in the exact same position with a completely different trajectory. Mm. And so I think just reflecting on like, okay, this may just be a stepping stone and accepting I'm not where I want to be, yeah. but I'm on the right path. I yeah. think that's like also such an important message because we all want to have that lifestyle. We all want to jump straight to that dream job and have the house and the car and the founder title on your Instagram. But yeah, exactly. it takes a lot of shit and a lot of, consistent shit along the way to eventually get there and yeah, i think you've underplayed how much you've probably <laughs> uh, experienced in your lifetime but yeah it's just like i think as well a lot of like a lot of people maybe get held back um get held back by not being clear on what they actually want mm. so what i mean by that is like a lot of people don't actually decide what they want their life to look like. It just it's just happening, and they and we're reacting. They're more passive, right? They just sit yeah. back and happen. And like, yeah, watching things happen for other people, and and you know, why is that not happening for me? Or mm. or these sort of mindsets. Whereas I just think it's possible for everyone to to get really close to their dream life, mm. but you have to decide what that actually looks like. Mm. And that was just one thing that. 
I, I think is really crazy that I did back then when I didn't really have any of the things that I have now mm. is that I decided then when I didn't have them, what they were. Yeah. And I was really clear and specific on what that would look like. Yeah. And that's kind of thinking years into the years into the future. And then, but I think if you haven't got a, a, an end point as to what your goal is or where you're, where you're trying to head, um, you're just going to get kind of thrown all, all over the place. So, yeah, man, right. Choose, choose what you want your life to look like and then mm-hmm. believe it's possible because... Well, if you look back at the Ten Commandments of Flow State, the first one is set clear goals and intentions, true. right? Yeah. So you could probably even argue if you want your whole life to be in that flow state, you need to have those goals. Right? Yeah. Like, and I'm a, I'm a very, as I said before, visual person. Like mm. I, you know, and I, I hide this if everyone, anyone comes to my room, but I have my own little vision board where okay. I, have, yeah. I have like my factory where I'm going to have my products. I have my own high performance center. Yeah, I've already awesome. got my picture of me walking across the stage with my PhD. Like every goal, I sort of try and visualize that. And, you know, I'm not a big believer in like, manifesting things and they'll come to you I think you've got to put in the work yeah, but at the same time you can be drawn towards like images like that and having those goals so clear and seeing them every day it makes it very hard to just sit back and passively watch other people do cool shit yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and then I think when you're like you're sort of done there when you're when you're putting it out there you, you do um open up some sort of channel towards things coming to you mm. or at least you recognising that opportunity because like I, I just think if you if you know what um if you know what that goal is and then an opportunity shows up you can you can just think fuck how did that how did that happen you know yeah <laughs> and I, I have a, a quite a quite an interesting example which really I would say it's changed my life um from it happening mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and one of those things when we're talking about like choosing what you want your life to look like and stuff like that, I had this sort of random idea in, in sort of 2018 that I, I would be, uh, I wanted to go to the Mentorize and, and work in a surf surf camp, surf resort, mm-hmm. teaching people to, to move and, and yeah, it was just like a, a random idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got, I was just getting into like meditation at that point. And I was studying like a little bit of Joe Dispenza, which, um, yeah, I love his work. Not, yeah. not everyone does, but... Oh, lots yeah. of people do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, um, you know, one thing that I, I just started doing then with no real idea it would anything would come from it was I, I would do these meditations that I was doing and I'm like sitting on the beach in Palm Beach and then I'm like visualizing uh, one of the little shacks in the mental eyes. I'm, I'm picturing myself waking up walking out, checking the, checking the ocean. And then I'm kind of seeing myself teaching movement to, to these people. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll try this and see what happens maybe in five years or maybe in, you know, <laughs> sometime, but I'll start the process now. And, and then on the back of that, a uh, sort of weird turn of events, but long story short, I, um, ended up reaching out. I, I ended up coming across a, a sticker on the, on a shower at Palm beach. And it was for a surf, surf resort. It's called Hidden Bay Resort Mentalize. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, cool. I kind of want to do a trip. I'll, I'll check these guys out. Yeah. So I went home and I, I looked them up on Instagram and I'm like, oh, shit, this place has a training set up. Looks like they have coaches that go there. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like they got all these things. So I was kind of like, oh, that's, that, that's probably the place. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, one day I just was like driving to the gym and then I just had this weird like uh, feeling. I thought I'm just going to, I'm going to message him, <laughs> you know, so it was nothing groundbreaking, but yeah, without yeah. having done all that work, I wouldn't have, that, that quick yeah. spark wouldn't have come. Yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, we had turned to events, but there was, there was meant to be someone going there in May. This was mid-April. <laughs> I'm on the way to the gym. By the time I've left the gym, uh, the, the lady that was meant to be there in May had pulled out last minute. I was in touch with, with, um, with them and, and uh, Andrea, who the, who's the lady coordinating it, she said, can you get here in May? And so, no <laughs> so yeah, two, I kind of begged my boss and then, um, yeah, two and a half weeks later, I come around the corner on the boat and I'm just seeing this this place and I was just like, wow, this is, this is pretty crazy, you know? <laughs> that is mind-blowing. And that's just a good example of people saying, you know, you can get lucky in life, but mm. you've, you've created that luck. And I'm a big believer in creating your own luck because you have you had to take action there. You had to send the message. You had to yeah, do that believe. visualization. And if you just skip one of those little steps beforehand, none of that would have happened. And yeah. So, yeah, I think you have, like, sort of manifested that in a way, but you've taken then the action, which is the hard part. It's yeah, very exactly. easy not to do. You could have easily just went oh, no, nah, that's for another time, you know, and then that whole experience wouldn't have even existed because that's – I have seen a lot of your posts from over there and it looks freaking amazing. Did, yeah, it's incredible, man. Did you actually write some some of the articles for The Surfing Life? Yeah. Was yeah. that about your experience there? Yeah, there was one that I did. It was a bit of a um, – uh, I think a bit of a marketing campaign as well. So I, it was for the resort, but I sort mm. of wrote about the experience of the mm. mentors and – and the experience of the actual um, resort. Yeah. So that was one of them, yeah. I've read those on Surfing Life, the website, I think it's still on. Yeah, it was on Surfing Life um, mm. under Words. Yeah. Words, they have a section. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I forgot about that one. That was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And But what was that feeling like when you just, you're sitting on the boat, you're, you're coming into that exact thing you've pictured. Can you describe that feeling at all? Yeah, super, super surreal. I actually remember it really clearly. Um, there's one thing I, I, I do um, in key moments of my life, and it's called anchoring. Mm-hmm. And it's just this little little tool. I actually learned it um, from a book by Jordan Belfort, oh, <laughs> Wake yeah. the Wolf. Yeah. And, and what, what he says is, like, you, you push on this second knuckle and you, like, you pretend you're taking a photo as you push. <laughs> yeah. So I close my eyes, take the photo, and when you, when you do that, you also take the emotional state that you're feeling at the time. Hmm. And the idea of the anchoring is like at other times you can, you can come back and push that little button and you, you get to wow. re-experience that state. So hmm. as soon as I came around the corner, I was just like, yep, yeah, bang. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, kind of had a weird, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm the most like emotional person, but um, yeah, almost like welling up tears in my eyes and yeah, yeah just really made me, um, just understand that kind of anything is going to be possible. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. So then that's, that's given me a lot of confidence. I think since that point to just have more faith in, in some of these like personal development strategies and mm. things that you do, even though, uh, there's no immediate or obvious payoff. Mm. Um, just things like, like we're talking about kind of choosing your goals, mm. mindfulness practices, visualization, stuff like that. Um, 
it just kind of linked me to that and, and gave me the confidence to know that it is possible. Mm. <clears throat> <And> yeah. <laughs> I, I would probably argue with the business that you've grown, mm. even though there's no split second moment of being on the boat and seeing it, if you could capture the feeling now, if you think back to like two or three years ago when this was just coming into fruition, like I feel like you could have that moment now to be like, shit, look at what I've built. Look at like, this is what I was picturing. I'm working with the clients that I was picturing. Like, yeah, is that true? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a weird one with, with the business because it's like, I guess it's so easy to get so caught up in the day-to-day, um, I don't want to say angst, but mm. <laughs> it, it is there, you know, mm. like the, the stress of um, trying to manage being a practitioner and growing the business and, and then managing, like trying to offer a new model that's not fully based on profit, mm. but outcomes. Yeah. Just because I, I've sort of sacrificed, you know, the the maybe the financial aspect of, of the business in the short term to get it to where it is. Yeah. Um, and to really stick with that model of like the longer appointments and, and going for these uh, more more substantial changes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, it's it's pretty cool. And another same same sort of thing. If I I guess I now I'm talking about it. I use the 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 sort of seeing it in my mind first a lot. I think mm. I have like a bit of a visual yeah. mind in that sense. And you know when mm. I, when I was like first um, first starting in my my in Sapien, it was it was kind of pretty bad timing because I left um, my, my job of six years in like Feb 2019 <laughs> and, and I just actually got the, the mortgage for my, my yeah. off the plane apartment and then I was jumping into saving with no real certainty of mm. how much income I'd have and you know my backup plan I'll, I'll do aged care if I have to and mm. stuff like that. But it just shows there's never a perfect time, there's never a right exactly. time and if you keep waiting for that you'll never take action on it so yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, the, the thing about the timing there was it was actually a few weeks before COVID. So then I kind of got shut out and um, had to, yeah, really I've grown the, the business through the, mm. <laughs> through the midst of the, the pandemic and, and now with um, Byron and Jasmine, um, I was really, really lucky to get Byron. He's, he's a, one of the best physios on the coast and yeah. we'd, we'd actually worked together yeah. at that clinic. So we had a shared experience there and a, a shared way of, of um, thinking and, and rehabbing, and then uh, Jasmine, who's come on this year, she's she's doing super well as well. So yeah, we're trying to sort of plug her into the, mm. you know, the way we assess and the way we treat. And yeah. I don't want to I don't want to make it seem like it's a, a recipe, but I, I think there's a, a system. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a system, and um, the more I learn about business, the more I realise that that that's kind of the best way to mm-hmm. to grow and scale. So it's like we're trying to develop a way of kind of systematically rehabbing injuries. Love that. Well, mate, yeah. you've just stolen my last question here about <laughs> about what's next because you just said you've now mm. got some staff, mm. you're growing. I was going to ask the question, what's on the horizon for Sapien and, and yourself? But maybe the question is when you walk down to Palmy now and sit there and, and have your little your meditative state, yeah, yeah. what are you picturing? Like where, where do you want to be in, in 5, 10, 20 years? Yeah, I think coming back to what we said before, I've, I've probably fallen a little bit off that more future forecasting these days. Yeah. Just because I'm, I'm really have had some challenging times, um, just dealing with the the mental, mm. <laughs> the mental load of, yeah. of trying to trying to manage and learn about the business. Yeah, for 
I've, I've kind of been someone that's like, I just start something, you know, and then as the problem arises, I learn it and yeah. overcome it and then I wait for the next one and then I learn it and it's overcome it. It's the best it. way to do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so from the outside, it, it can look like things are... <laughs> Are pretty well together, you know. Like, it can look like you're, you're sort of super clear on what you're doing and where yeah. you're going, but yeah. um, you know, it's not. It's not always that. It's not always. It's mm. Not always that way, but uh, yeah, the goals with with Sapien is just keep establishing our um, our reputation in the local area, mm-hmm. and and just keep focusing on the local community. Um, and developing some more relationships with some referrers and doctors because really we've I've kind of built it honestly on word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting into yeah maybe a bit more marketing and I'm starting some work with some kind of more email lists and mm-hmm. and then on the um, other side yeah trying to trying to start to then like get that local community sorted and then the next plan for me will be to try and. Uh, look at look at moving a bit more into the digital space and mm-hmm. and look at some some product offerings and mm-hmm. programs and some online coaching and yeah. yeah so trying to move into a bit more um, global scale as well yeah but you're starting with the foundations here locally first I like that yeah I just really? want to know like I just want to know that what we're doing is is um, super effective yeah um, before I tried to market it in that way. Take it to the masses. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, mate. Well, I can't wait to see where you'll be in five or ten years. That's <laughs> super exciting. Um, I have this look at the time, mate, and holy shit. Talk about time distortion in flow state. We've been over an hour already. Sick. It feels like it's been ten minutes. Um, but, yeah, mate, look, I yeah, I just look up to all the work that you've done, mate. It's been super inspiring in my own journey, and I know from just the stories you've shared here, it's going to be super inspiring to a lot of the listeners, especially in our sort of community of action adventure sports and flow state in general so um yeah so much respect for the work you're doing and um i hope that we can keep this sort of connection and you can stay within the flow community because i think we have a lot of similar interests and passions there so um mate thank you for your time if anyone has any further questions you can hit us up at flow nutrition with an underscore um or they can message you directly off which accounts on instagram yeah, so I've got two um, two Insta pages. Um, the the first one, which would be more my personal one, which would be more just sort of showing my my more surfing work, and and I guess I do just share everything on there. So it'd be the surf physio, mm-hmm. uh, the underscore surf underscore physio. Uh, feel free to message me any questions or any bits and pieces on there. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, yeah, you can check out the business at. Um, Sapien Rehab and Performance. I think the Insta handle is sapien.rehab and performance. I've, I've written down here, you've, you've got an underscore. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. Sapien <laughs> underscore. That's all right. Rehab and Performance. <laughs> yeah. um, or we've got um, a website for any inquiries there as well. Yeah. And I'll tag all that in the. Actually, I still need to figure out how to do this podcast and yeah. stuff. I'm just going to say I'll leave it in the, the comments. No, the, the description. Leave it in the description. Leave it in the description. Yeah. See? Season pod- Learning podcaster. as you go. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you guys do want any sort of flow state content, Scott is your man. He puts up so much stuff in totally different areas as well. That's what I sort of love about it. It's not, you're not just a surfer. Like you're out there posting your flow state on the tennis court, like going for a skate, doing your meditation. And that's exactly the environment I want to create. I want to sort of build the, the flow state athlete. I feel like the hybrid athlete is sort of getting a bit of traction at the moment with gymming and running. 
but I want to kind of create that flow state athlete and I think you've sort of nailed it with that regard. Oh, so, yeah, um, you're on the right, um, like we're talking about with sort of flow state, it's the, it, it, I just think that's the catalyst for, for everything if you can um, channel it, so. Yeah. The ultimate state of consciousness, some would say. Mate, thank you so much for your time. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you again next week. Thank you, mate. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Flow Performance Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the chat and found loads of value that you can use to fuel more flow state in your life. If you did enjoy the content and want to support the podcast, don't forget to give it a five-star rating leave a review or even better, share it to a mate, post it up on your Instagram story and tag Flow Performance Podcast. We really do appreciate any support in getting this content out into the world. So thanks again for tuning in and we will catch you again next week.